Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The nothing satisfies, but I'm getting close, closer to the prize at the end of the rope. Edition as the Bengals advance to an AFC Championship game rematch in Kansas City by knocking off the Buffalo Bills on their home field 27 to 10. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, one-on-one locker room interviews, and analysis from my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. Then, in this week's Fun Facts segment, you'll get to know a guy whose first start in a Bengals uniform came in last week's playoff win over Baltimore, offensive lineman Max Sharping. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since the Weatherbug app. For weather information, I used to rely on the Dark Skies app. Unfortunately, it shut down on January 1st, so I needed an alternative, and somebody suggested Weatherbug. Great call. It's free, it's easy to use, and it's got all sorts of great features. From current weather conditions to the 10-day forecast to radar maps, you name it, it's got it. So, if you are looking for a good weather app for your phone, my forecast says download Weatherbug. Now, let's get to football. In the Bengals' first 53 seasons, they won a total of five playoff games. In the last two years, they've doubled that total to 10. On Sunday in Buffalo, the Bengals were missing three starting offensive linemen and were a six-point underdog to the Buffalo Bills, the overwhelming preseason favorite this year in the NFL. According to Caesar Sportsbook, More than twice as much money was bet on Buffalo to win the Super Bowl than any other team. Those Buffalo betting slips can now be ripped up and tossed in the trash. Here are the radio calls from a dominant performance that ended the Bills season. This afternoon here in Wintry, Orchard Park, New York, one of the NFL's best teams will stay alive on the road to the Super Bowl. Will it be Joe Burrow and the Bengals? Or Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. T. Higgins out wide to the left. Shotgun snap. Short drop by Burrow. The pressure comes from the left. He throws oh, it the middle. Baby. Caught at the Get nine. In. Chase straight ahead. Nice. Into the end zone. Nice. Touchdown on the opening drive for Cincinnati. A 28-yard throw lofted down the middle of the field by Joe Burrow. Just a touch throw. Chase reached up at the eight, caught it, and raced straight ahead into the end zone for the score. Joe waits for the shotgun snap. He catches. Pump fakes to the right. Oh, got throws to the got end him. zone. It is caught <laughs> by Hayden Hurst. Touchdown. <laughs> Bengals. Burrow sucked the Bills in with the pump fake, and Hayden Hurst was wide open at the goal line. Blown coverage. Period. Allen is under center. Buffalo trying to get on the scoreboard. Receiver goes in motion. That's Gabe Davis. Allen runs left. And the big quarterback takes it into the end zone for Buffalo's first score. Empty backfield. Shotgun snap. 
Burrow over the Got middle, him. a leaping catch. <laughs> yeah, that's Chase it. Yeah. has the ball. Yeah. Touchdown! Right on the back line of the end zone. He went airborne, two defenders nearby, and he made the catch for the 10-yard Cincinnati touchdown. And the footwork was extraordinary. Left, right, tap, tap, get them both down. The official took his time to make the call because he knew he made the catch. Did he get both feet down in bounds? The receiver lost control of the ball. Oh, It is an incomplete pass. They're saying he didn't yeah. go to the ground. So I was just about to say, as Chase, as Chase went to the ground out of bounds after getting both feet down, the ball bobbles just a bit. Matt Milano had a hand in there, and as he's landing on his backside, the ball moves just a little bit. So this will be a 28-yard field goal attempt for Evan McPherson. Chrisman puts it down. The kick is up, and it is good. The Bengals thought they had seven. They wind up with three after a lengthy replay review goes in Buffalo's favor. Burrow will be under center. First and goal, about an inch, maybe a half an inch away from the goal line. T. Higgins motions, lines up to the right, right next to the right tackle. Burrow hands it off. Mixon goes airborne. He's in. Waiting for the signal. Get in. The officials walking toward wow. the pile. Come on. No signal yet. Wow. <laughs> nope, he's short. They are not going to give it to Joe Mixon. The Bengals replay challenge is successful. It's a one-yard touchdown run for Joe Mixon. Fourth and six at the Cincinnati 16. The clock running with 7.37 to go. The Bills go with an empty backfield again. Three receivers left, two out to the right, including Diggs. Allen back to throw, scrambling right, moves back toward the middle of the field, gesturing toward the end zone, throws toward the end zone. Nice. It is batted away. Nice. Knocked away by Eli Apple. A pass intended for Gabe Davis and the Bengals have the ball with a 17-point lead and 7.23 to go. Allen back to throw on second and five. Pump fakes. Now he's going to launch it deep downfield. Oh, Intercepted it, by Cam Taylor Britt. Nice. And that is officially Coffin Nails. Bam, bam, bam. Courtesy Cam Britt. Get the takeaway, why don't you? Snow Angels in the end zone for Cam Taylor Britt and his defensive teammates. With 102 to go, the Bengals are heading to Kansas City. And I'll tell you, Dan, this is surprising to me. Not that the Bengals won the football game, but the fashion. 27 to 10. One more snap will do it. Burrow behind Karras takes the snap, takes a knee. Trent Taylor does a <laughs> flying backflip behind the line. Joe Mixon begins celebrating, and the Cincinnati Bengals are headed to Kansas City for the AFC Championship game. Neither snow, nor cold, <laughs> nor an injury-ravaged offensive line can keep the Cincinnati Bengals from going to the AFC Championship game. The final score was 27 to 10, and the game didn't even feel that close. The Bengals had 30 first downs, their most ever in a playoff game. They ran for 172 yards, averaging 5.1 per carry. And Joe Burrow threw for 240 with a passer rating of 101.9. And they did it with Hakeem Adeniji making his third start at right tackle, Max Sharping making his second start at right guard, and Jackson Carmen making his first start at left tackle. Joe Mixon finished with 105 yards on 20 carries, his first 
100-yard rushing performance in a playoff game. And Joe had this five-letter description for his offensive line. Some damn dogs. D-A-W-G-S, dogs. Dave Lapham talked to all five of those dogs after the game. Uh, I just want to talk to the offensive line because the offensive line got it done today. We got Ted Karras. How you doing, by the way, man? Doing good, Dave. Big win. I hope, I hope, uh, I hope they refund all the tickets to Atlanta. <laughs> I, I hear that. So, all right, I got, uh, I got Ted Karras. I got Cordell Volson. I got Max Sharping. Jackson Carmen over here. Who we? Hakeem Adenogy. All right, these five guys right here won the football game, period. It was one in the trenches. Rushed for over 150 yards. Joe Mixon, 20 carries, 105 yards. Two penalties on the whole day. Six for 10 on third down. There were only two plays out of 69 that went for negative yards. 16 plays of 10 yards or more. Ass kicking up front. What do you think? Well, I think I'm so proud of these guys. I mean, we got three guys coming in in a, with the biggest game of our lives, performing well with a dominating victory. So couldn't be happier. So what about it? Everybody's saying, oh, man, the offensive line, the offensive line. What's going to happen? I mean, oh, geez. What, what happened, Akeem? Uh, man, we just trusted in our work. We've been working for this since we came in. Uh, we know our goals. We got great guys. Uh, we're deep. We, we trust each other. We went out there, and we did what we had to do. Cordell Volson, you, you know, you, supposedly you're a rookie, but you've already played a full season. You're not a rookie anymore, and now you've got two wins in the playoffs. What's it feel like to be on this kind of a football team your rookie season? Yeah, it's great. You know, I couldn't, couldn't ask to be in a better situation and on a better team. Um, just the vets in this, in this uh, organization that have, that have helped me from day one and forever thankful for those guys. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're just getting started, though. We got, we got two more games, games ahead of us, and, and uh, we're just going to keep getting better. Second AFC championship game in a row. And you're playing a team that's going to their fifth in a row, their fifth home uh, AFC Championship game, the Kansas City Chiefs. Max Sharping here. All right. So you've already played in three playoff games. You won two of them. This old hat, you know. I mean, you get another uh, playoff victory, though. What does it mean to you? Anytime you can win a game in the NFL, it's going to be hard won. Uh, you know, I'm so proud of these guys for how hard we worked all week, came out, executed. And I just want to say also, happy birthday, Mr. Jackson Carmen. Yeah. yeah. What? Can you, can you think of a better birthday present? I cannot. <laughs> so what was it like out there today? I mean, the crowd noise, handling the silent snap count, all that stuff. What what was it like, Jack? It was a blast. It was fun. Cordell, one of my favorite people I ever played with in my life. And you know what I'm saying? We out there together in the trenches. And I could really couldn't have did it without him, man. Everything doesn't happen. Cordell's a professional. You know what I'm saying? I hear you. I hear you. On the road, I mean, you got the running game going. That was so big. I mean, Joe went over 100 yards, 20 carries, 105 yards. You had well over 150 as a, as a football team. When you're running the ball like that, pass protection becomes like it's like night and day, isn't it? Trying to, if you're, if you're not, you're not a running game going, they can tee off. When you got the running game going, you got them, don't you? You know, it was, it was just great to, to get the running game going early, you know, because then it, then it kept um, you know us unpredictable. Um, you know it allowed us to to run the ball on some get back on track uh, situations, and and Joe ran the ball extremely hard today, and and uh, you know our coaches did a great job of getting us into the right looks. So, Joe Burrow starts the game nine for nine. I mean, unbelievable. 
in this weather, on the road, crowd noise, all that stuff, you guys were giving him great protection. Did you guys realize that he, he was on that kind of a roll to start the game? We could just feel the energy, honestly. You know what I'm saying? We're from Cincinnati. We practice in every single weather. It gets cold as a cold, and it gets hot as a hot. You know what I'm saying? We always tell ourselves we play best in the most extreme conditions. We just go out there and do what we do every day at practice. Execute. So when you, when you have a field like that, do you do anything? Do you stay over your feet a little bit more? Do you not get on your toes as much? I mean, do you have to change the way you approach to keep your footing? Or was it really not that bad out there? What was it like out there on the field? You, you just got to do a great job of keeping your feet under you, keeping a good base, and, and uh, running your feet. Um, you know, it, it, uh, it, it affects both us and the defense, so, you know, it's no excuse. You just got to do a great job of, of keeping your feet going and playing with a great base. I was going to say, you just got to channel your inner Sean White. And just, and just snowboard on that ice. <laughs> there you go. You know, it looked it looked to me like Joe Mixon was possessed, man. The dude was playing at such a high level of energy. It was like the kid in the neighborhood that loves to play in the snow. You know, I mean, Joe, Joe is just getting after it. Did you guys feel that? Man, when Joe's having a great day, we're having a great day. Joe's been playing at the highest level since he started playing football. So I don't expect nothing different from Joe. That's who he is, and he showed it tonight. Congratulations, man. You played a hell of a football game, all you guys up front. I'll tell you, as a, as a former lineman, when I was watching Joe run, I'm like, man, I just want to, I'll take one snap and not be able to get out of bed for a week, but I just want to take one. I mean, it was fun to watch you guys do your thing out there today. I appreciate you, Dave. Thanks, Dave. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. Joe Burrow is now 5-1 in playoff games, including 3-0 in true road games. I'm not counting the Super Bowl, even though it was at the Rams stadium, because the crowd was closer to a 50-50 split. Under steady snow showers that fell for the entire game, Burrow went 9-for-9 with a pair of touchdowns on the Bengals' first two drives to give Cincinnati a 14-0 lead, and the Bills never got closer than seven points. Here's Joe Mixon on his quarterback. Unbelievable. I mean, to, to come through in the snow, and deliver dots the way he was doing it, I mean, that's that's crazy. I'm gonna be honest, that's crazy. And I thought he did a hell of a job just facilitating the way he do. Um, I, I never seen nothing like it, to be real. I mean, y'all could call it bias, whatever y'all want to, but I've never seen nothing like it. I'm just so happy for him, and I'm happy for my teammates to be able to reap in the benefits the way that we are. I mean, we come to work, work our asses off, and everybody just stay ready for the big moment. And everybody come through and, um, you know, the linemen, I mean, we had three linemen down, and for them guys to come through in a major way in a, in a battle and compete and to play all four quarters the way they did, you know, nobody gave us a shot, and we went out there to go take it. And um, I'm just, like I said, I'm so happy for them guys, and everybody deserve it in here. Eight different receivers caught passes for the Bengals, led by Jamar Chase, who finished with five grabs for 61 yards and a touchdown. I caught up with him after the game. Jamar, this is unbelievable. I don't think anybody thought you not only would come here, but dominate this game. What can you say about how well the team played in every possible phase? You know, both sides of the ball and special teams did a great, great job today. Uh, we did an outstanding job running the ball. They gave us opportunities to pass the ball on any down we wanted to. Uh, defense giving us opportunities to get the ball back and, you know, make plays for the offense. You know what I'm saying? Defense been doing anything this whole year. 
How about that opening drive? What kind of a tone setter was that yeah. here to go down the field and score that touchdown? Yeah, uh, I, I honestly think the defense messed up. You know what I'm saying? I think they uh, blew the coverage on whatever they were trying to do. Nickel, bless, safety came down over, and, you know, nobody was in the middle of the field. And I, and I, sat, I seen that, and I just sat there in the zone. Joe plucked it on me. That was it. You had an offensive line missing three starters and ran for more than 170 yards, yeah. more than 400 total yards of offense. What can you say about the guy, the, the job those guys did? Yeah, the, the O-line looking incredible, man. They're doing a good job. Joe's doing a good job pointing the right direction for those guys and, and lead them. You know what I'm saying? And they're not – you got – maybe like two young guys on the line. You know what I'm saying? They stepped up today, so hell of a job by them. You guys have said we're the big dogs of the AFC. Is yeah. this another step where you proved it? I mean, we know who we are already. The whole league knows what we're capable of. It's not a surprise for nobody. Uh, they, I mean, they keep talking us down. We're just going to keep showing them. That's all. Kansas City, fourth time in less than 13 months. Here you go again. Yeah, it should be a good game. It should be fun. that touchdown, man. They kind of took it the one they took away from you. Yeah. Um, What's your thoughts on that? I caught it clean. It was just that rule when you fall and got to make sure you're all the way contest. I mean, all the way grab. But, you know what I'm saying, it, it slipped out my hand a little bit when I fell. It's snowy out there. It happens, you know what I'm saying? I know there's a lot of hype about this Atlanta game. What was your thoughts on, on, on being overlooked, man? I wouldn't say we overlooked, you know what I'm saying? It's just the disrespect they gave us, you know what I'm saying? We don't really care how they treating us and how they going to do us. We had the hardest schedule all year, and ain't nothing was going to be easy for us, you know what I'm saying? And we know what we're capable of. That's why we came out here not making a fuss with nobody, just putting on a show for the world to see. What was it like for you as a Louisiana kid to play in that snow? Hey, man, that was fun as hell. That was fun as hell. I ain't going to lie. I'll do it again. That's better than rain. I'll do it again. Right, that's Jamar Chase. The Bengals' defense was phenomenal, holding the Bills to a season-low 10 points. During the regular year, Buffalo averaged 28.4, second-best in the NFL. The Bengals hit Josh Allen eight times, including a sack by Von Bell, and deflected eight passes. The game's only turnover was the Coffin Nails interception with about a minute to go, by a second-round draft pick out of Nebraska who has started every game of the 10-game winning streak following an injury to Chittabe Awuja. We're in the locker room with Cam Taylor Britt, cigar resting in his right hand. It's not lit up yet, but uh, you helped put it away with that interception late in the game. Describe your emotions in advancing to the AFC Championship game as a rookie. Man, it feels great, man. You know that I could contribute in a major way to this team to uh, help get the win. Uh, you know, just that last play, man, I was trying to tell the team I was going to get one. Like, he just, he has to throw one. It's not like him to not throw one. So, you know, I, I was just trying to tell the team, next time we go out here, I'm going to try to go ahead and end it. He took the chance and threw it, and, you know, I just was being myself wasn't going to get the ball. It's a pretty good time to get your first man, NFL you know, INT. <laughs> out in the snow, man, with your guys. Uh, and a huge win, man, for this team and organization. Cam, what was it like out there under those conditions today? Obviously, the team played well. What did you think of it? I played in Nebraska. It was fine. Uh, other than, you know, the, the ice getting stuck under your cleats. But other than that, man, I feel like, you know, as a team, we played good, man. We, we were prepared for whatever was to come, and, you know, we went in ball. That's a great offense. You held them to 10 points. What was the biggest key to this great defensive performance? Us locking up. <laughs> Honestly, man, us on the back end, you know, locking up, working around with 
with the, the D-line, every, you know, everybody working together on defense, man. You had some coverage sacks, and you had also, you know, uh, he couldn't throw the ball because the D-line was getting back there so fast. So everybody, you know, works together on this defense, man, you know, to, to stop those guys because they're explosive offense. I know it's the opposite side of the ball, but yeah. what did you think of the job the offensive line did missing three starters today? Man, that was great. Uh, I don't think anybody kind of expected it, not on this team, but, you know, just everybody on the outside. I don't think everybody expected those guys to step up and play the way that they did, man. And, uh, you know, it's always next man up, and anybody could do it. So you seen for yourself, they did it out there today. All right, be honest with me. I'm sure everybody in here expected to win this game. Yeah. Did you expect to dominate the Buffalo yeah. Bills like that? Yeah, we did. Uh, I want to say... We had this chip, man. We feel feel disrespected, most definitely. So we just play our ball to the, you know, to the fullest, and whoever steps in front of us got to get it. Off to Kansas City, fourth meeting against the Chiefs in slightly more than a year, trying to beat them for a fourth straight time. We got to do it. Like I said last week, man, they got to play us. Congratulations. Thank you. That's Cam Taylor Brett. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor. More than 29,000 customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at Paycor.com. In Zach Taylor's first two seasons as an NFL head coach, the Bengals were 6-25-1. In the last two seasons, including playoffs, they're 27-12. Here's Zach with Dave Lapham. Our guys were feeling it, you know, and, and uh, I thought our coaching staff did a great job formulating a plan in all three phases. Our players believed in it. This was their moment. This is their stage. You know, they got 24 other teams in the league that are at home watching TV, watching these guys. And so you got to put on a show for them, and I thought our guys did that today. Man, I'll tell you, what, what was practice like, Coach? To come out and have the performance that you guys had, what was your Wednesday, Thursday, Friday like? Did you come off the field thinking, mm, man, we got something cooking here? Felt the same as felt the last – 10 weeks we practiced, you know, and there's there's no surprise why we've won 10 games in a row. These guys, they, they prepare like they're going to play. And so there's no doubt when you walk out the field on a Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday that we, we did everything we needed to do there in that practice to get ourselves ready for Sunday. And so now it's on us to have our best seven days again this week and be ready to go to Kansas City. Um, Joe Burrow completed his first nine passes. On his first 14 completions, he had already utilized eight different receivers. You talk about spreading the football, spreading the wealth. Unbelievable. He managed the game splendidly. You know, it's um, he knew when to use his feet to extend plays and find people in the scramble game. Uh, he just he just did a really good job putting things in the right situations. There was a lot of cans. There was a lot of alerts he had to take in this game, and he did a good job managing all that. What about your defense to hold that offensive football team to 10 points? That's yeah, one of the best offenses on football, but we know we have the best defense in all football. And so um, the way that those guys just play together and communicate and, and our D-line really got it kick-started, you know, with all the pressure they put on him and made him move around and the coverage matched it on the back, and it was awesome to see. Playing football at such a high level, the weather, you know, a little bit dicey. No turnovers. You got a fourth down stop, though. That's a turnover in my book. So you were plus one in that category. But to play that clean a football game in that environment, that's difficult. No, it's hard. And But, our, again, our guys uh, believed in what they were doing, and they, they played off of each other. And if, if we did have a play that wasn't so great, they, they just bowed up and made it on the next stop. And so even on their scoring drives, they made them work for it. you know. And so um, I just thought our whole team just, just came out and really played really good complimentary football in all three phases. And they sure did. Um, talk to the offensive linemen as a group. And they're happy, obviously, and I'm happy for them. I mean, the way the way Joe Mixon was running the ball, I'm like, man, it's like a kid in the neighborhood that 
plays better than everybody else in snow. <laughs> and Joe is just like killing it out there. 105 yards on 20 yard. He rushed for over 150. How big was that to settle down that old line? Oh, it was, you know, anytime we can lean on the run game like that, it opens up the passes. It makes the protections easier and uh, just just makes our life comfortable. And I thought that the backs ran hard, starting with Mixon. Um, you know, he had a, a tremendous performance, was hitting it hard, hitting it downhill, um, got some big plays for us. Samaje finished with people draped around him for extra yards. I don't even know what his total was, but he got some really hard-earned yards there. And um, that's credit to those two guys and Justin Hill doing a great job managing those guys this week. How, how about Joe Burrow not only outpassing uh, Josh Allen, but outrushing him? You know, everybody talks about oh, Josh Allen, and, and rightfully so. I mean, the guy's a freak. Uh, extend, create, design quarterback runs. Joe Burrow, I mean, he manipulated the defensive line with his feet, the secondary with his eyes. He manipulated everybody out there. He did. He did a great job today. And, and again, from the first snap of the game, he was on it. Um, and really did a great job finding his checkdowns. You know, that's they, they played soft sometimes and, and didn't want to give us some explosives. He did a great job finding the underneath throws that extended plays. He had a great check down to Hayden Hurst on the third down, third and long. Hayden got for first down there. Um, I think it was at the end of the half. And so just just tremendous job by Burrow. You know, Coach, as I was watching you guys perform that part of your offense, it took me back to the 1970s. And I remember sitting in a classroom with Bill Walsh. And Bill Walsh goes, you know what, man? We're going to take those four-yard, five-yard checkdowns because two or three of those, that's a first down. And we string those together. Pretty soon we're scoring points. I'll take those. I don't know about you guys. You okay with that? That, that's a, that was his whole MO. Just take it, be patient, manipulate it. It's big. He's not greedy. You know, he'll take what you're giving him. And even if that means we got to go 16 plays all the way down the field, um, you know, a lot of teams try to try to give you that, thinking that you'll get greedy and you'll push it down the field for an incompletion or a turnover. And Joe just doesn't do that. Okay, coach, it's on to Kansas City. They've uh, this is the fifth straight AFC Championship game they're hosting. This is your second straight AFC Championship game. Should be in Atlanta, but yeah, you know, it's going to be in Kansas City, I guess. Might as well just go there and beat them again. This is the way it's meant to be, you know. And so our guys will be ready for the opportunity. Appreciate you. Thank you. So it's on to Kansas City, where the Bengals will play in the late game next Sunday. It will kick off at 6.30, and the Chiefs open as a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. In the NFC, it's the Eagles hosting the 49ers at 3. Philly is favored by two-and-a-half. Now, time for the Radio Guys Recap. Lap on our Friday radio show, we played an interview with Eric Weddle on Kay Adams' Up and Adams show where he said the Bengals have zero chance. And Eric Weddle wasn't the only person that felt that way with this injury-ravaged offensive line. You played the position for 12 years professionally. What can you say about that performance? I mean, interviewed him in the, in the post-game locker room. I could see it in their eyes and, their, you know, the unspoken word. It was like... The hell with you, everybody. You know, I mean, that's a that's not a chip. That's a two by four. That's a challenge to your manhood. And these guys are full grown men, and they take great pride in their profession. Um, and these guys are all good football players. They wouldn't be here if they weren't good football players. But the key was the way they ran the ball. I mean, and that's what they all. Oh man, yeah, we we got out. We we took control of the line of scrimmage. I mean, it, it was these games are won and lost at the line of scrimmage, and they took total control of the line of scrimmage and. Over 170 yards rushing. Joe has 105 of them. And Joe Mixon was possessed, man. I mean, they fed off of his energy. They were like, Joe is just running so hard. And it, that does. 
I remember when Pete Johnson would run guys over, I'd be like, oh, man, here we go. We got to get that big beast out in space again. Let him do it again. And uh, it, it was fun to watch. It really was fun to watch those guys. I said to him, man, I've got I've, a couple of times I felt like, let me just do a one play with you guys. I won't get out of bed for two weeks. Let me just do it one time. It was like so exciting to watch what was going on down there. Deontay Smith is the sixth offensive lineman and Dave Lapham is the seventh. That's what you want. <laughs> right, right. Just just one snap, one snap. I probably, probably would have been a, a bad outcome, but just to say, man, that was so much fun out there. <laughs> so when I was interviewed or, or did radio appearances this week, I said, the question of the game is, can the offensive line be good enough? They're not going to be as good as they were. Can they be good enough? They were as good as they were. One sack, three quarterback hits, as you pointed out, tremendous run blocking, 170 rushing yards in the game. I can't believe how well they played against the NFL's number two ranked scoring defense. No turnovers, one sack, two penalties for nine yards, a couple of false start penalties. That, that's unbelievably clean in a tough environment on the road with snow coming down the whole game and they're cleaning off the lines the whole day. So your footing, you have, to, you have to really concentrate on staying over your feet. You can't get on your toes, you know, too much. You try to, try to be too cool with your footwork. I mean, what they did and how they did it, how they answered the bell, it's going to be, you know, everybody talks about uh, Sam's, you know, dash, uh, the iconic dash, and it is. But this game, with these guys who were totally doubted all week long, for them to perform the way they performed, man, in, in, in playoff history, it's got to be got to rank up there for a position group stepping up to an extremely high level, much higher than expectations. And I talked to Coach Pollock in the locker room afterwards, and he wanted to be a lot more colorful with his language than he was. But his message was, you know, he's just so proud of the guys and, you know, had a lot of doubters. And, I mean, don't, don't be jumping on, on board now. It's too late. All you doubters out there, too late. No room for you. I mean, these guys answered the bell, to say the least. This team is really playing the disrespect card right now in that locker room, whether it was Buffalo being favored today, whether it was Buffalo being the preseason favorite when the Bengals were the reigning the AFC champ. I heard guys saying, you better have refundable tickets on those flights to Atlanta yeah. for uh, Bengals and, or for Bills and Chiefs fans that bought tickets to a you know now-canceled neutral site AFC championship game. These guys are thriving on that. Joe Mixon keeps saying, we're the big dogs. Don't forget about it. And they've really found that edge. Uh, from that disrespect card. And, you know, uh, Joe verbalized that and then backed it up. He backed it up. He was playing so hard, man. He was finishing everything. And and he knew, you know, he put a little pressure on himself. He knew it. And he, and he answered it, man. He just he backed it up, backed it up big time. I think there should be a game in Atlanta. It should be Kansas City and Cincinnati. should be in Atlanta. What the hell? They say the stadium's available. Let's go down there and play. I mean, why not? I mean, God, you know, what the heck? It, it, why, why can't Cincinnati be in that mix? Come on, NFL. Um, but you know what? It's sweeter to go to Kansas City and knock them off for the fourth time in a row. How about them, though? Bengals going to the AFC Championship game for the second straight time. They're, they're at home for the fifth straight time. That is ridiculous. That's a Andy Reid. Got nothing but kudos and respect for that dude. 
So here they go again. This will be the fourth meeting in one year and 27 days, so less than 13 months. The Bengals have won the first three, and now the Chiefs are going to have a compromised Patrick Mahomes. My guess a week in advance is that he'll play, but the doctors we've talked to have said he's likely to be worse off in a week than he was the day that he twisted his ankle or suffered a high ankle sprain, whatever it ultimately is you know, diagnosed as. The mobility he has, the ability to, to run and make plays, that stuff, I think, is gone. Yeah, I mean, you watch him pogo stick off the field to the sideline, and, and that's when adrenaline was pumping fast and furious, you know? And he wanted no part of coming out of that game. I mean, he was throwing his helmet, throwing his shirt, throw, throwing his coat, throwing everything. Um, uber competitor. But, you know, you got to wonder, watching the mechanics, he could not push off that right foot. So he's doing everything off his front foot, off his front foot. The thing is, he's got such a powerful throwing arm. He doesn't need any feet. You know, he, he can make ridiculous throws. He'll, he'll make a lot of throws where he's airborne with no feet, no platform. Rip it. You know, it's like he's, he's a different breed of cat. But, you know, the, the thing you have to wonder about is, will he be compromised in terms of trying to manipulate and get away if he gets in trouble? He's a sitting duck, you know, potentially a sitting duck. And do you want to roll the dice on him getting more seriously hurt, mm. potentially? So... But I, I think they'll probably split, split snaps. I would see uh, Mahomes and Chad Henney probably – Henney's going to take more snaps than he normally would going into a, an AFC championship game during practice for sure. So I certainly didn't expect to see this. Final few minutes of the game, the Bills fans walking toward us because we were at the top of the lower bowl. They're on their way to the exits. The Bengals fans are making their way down to the first few rows – to ring the stadium about 10 rows deep and do the Who Day chant in Buffalo after a dominant win. Unbelievable. In your face. I mean, you know, just an in-your-face thing. But I did hear people, as Dave Armbruster and I were working our way to the locker room for postgame, I heard a lot of uh, Buffalo Bills fans saying, you know, those, those Bengals fans, man, I hope they win. They're, they're pretty cool. They were pretty cool about this whole thing. And I think that, that goes back to DeMar Hamlin and everything that they kind of went through together. Um, so, I mean, I don't think the Bengals fans were rubbing the Buffalo fans' noses in it or anything like that. I think they were being gracious in the victory, um, which is smart because you're on the road and you're outnumbered. <laughs> Your car has Ohio plates. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it, the support is, is just unbelievable. I mean, watching players high-fiving with Bengal fans in the lower roll, row of stands uh, in, in that one end zone, I'm like, this is unreal. I mean, these people are everywhere. There's, there's orange and black all over the stadium. It's crazy. How lucky are we? I mean, how good do we have it? I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, work, like Major G. Krebs. Work? This is work? Are you kidding me? This is work? Right. This is fun. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. Finally, it's time for this week's Fun Facts interview, where you get to know the person under the pads. Time for some Fun Facts with Bengals offensive lineman Max Sharping. Your life seems like a movie. You're from Green Bay. You grew up a few miles away from Lambeau Field. You went to Vince Lombardi Middle School. When did the NFL dream begin to take shape for you? I think it was always a dream uh, growing up. I went to Packers games as, uh, as young as I can remember. There's a photo of me and my dad walking uh, towards Lambeau from when I was, I don't know, probably three, 
two, maybe even. I don't know. I don't know what old I was. So it was always a dream. I don't think it really started taking shape till I started playing in high school and, uh, you know, got some accolades and got recruited to go to college. And even then, I didn't, you know, I went to Northern Illinois, so it was a smaller school. So you hope you can prove yourself, but you never know. Uh, and thankfully, I was able to do that. Green Bay is obviously a small community. Do you see the Packers players and coaches around town? Did you go to school with their kids? What kind of contact do you have with the Packers when you grow up there? Uh, one of the coaches uh, had a son in my uh, in my class, actually. Uh, Joe Philbin had a, had a son, Tim Philbin, that I went to high school with for a couple of years before he went down to Miami. Uh, Khalil McKenzie, uh, the son of the, the GM for the Raiders for a while, uh, Reggie McKenzie, he was a year younger than me. I still keep in contact with him. He's on the Ravens practice squad, so we were shooting each other messages just last week. Hmm. Uh, and we're, you know, pretty good buddies. So it's uh, – you, you run into him time to time, but uh, most of the time it was not too noticeable, I would say. We're visiting with Max Sharping. You're a big man. You're 6'6", 325. Did you tower over the other kids growing up? I would say yes, um, for the most part. I was definitely one of the taller kids in my age range, um, but I didn't put on weight till later on in high school. So it wasn't one of these cases where the parents of the players on the other team were demanding to see your birth certificate when you played youth sports? Uh, that actually was, that did happen quite often. My parents always knew, uh, especially baseball tournaments for some reason. The baseball parents were always the ones that, that threw a fit. Did they bring a birth certificate to have it on hand just in case? I'm pretty sure they did a couple times. Yeah. We're doing fun facts with Max Sharping. So I grew up near Buffalo. In 1995, the Bills had an outside linebacker, Bryce Pop, who was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. He had 17 and a half sacks that year. He was your high school football coach. What kind of impact did that have on you? Yeah, he was my coach for three years in high school, which is uh, you know amazing opportunity for for guys. Uh, you know, if you, you have a coach that has that type of experience and that type of legacy. Uh, and, you know, we pl- I played with a couple of his sons uh, on the team as well, so that was really cool. And, you know, he always preached to us, you know, that, that hard work would show up. You know, he was, was kind of a small-town guy growing up, went to uh, northern Iowa, had to work his way up to become Defensive Player of the Year. So, I mean, he kind of instilled that hard work into the program. So as you noted, you went to Northern Illinois. You're from Wisconsin. You had a great high school career. Based on what I've read, the University of Wisconsin didn't offer. Was that a big disappointment? At the time, I was uh, disappointed. My, both my parents went to school there, and my sister ended up going to school there as well for a little while. So, uh, And I grew up going to Badger games ever since I can remember also. Uh, so it was a little bit of a disappointment, but at the end of the day, I got my opportunity, and I'm thank, very thankful for Northern Illinois. You had a great career at NIU. You started for four straight seasons in every game. What were the highlights of your entire college experience? It's hard to just pick one. Uh, winning winning two MAC championships with my teams was cool. Just being around the guys really is just all I remember. You know, I, I met great teammates there. Um, you know, we got to play in some really cool places. Uh, you know, we my first away start in college was at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to play at Wyoming, at BYU, in the mountain ranges. Got to play at Boston College. Um, you know, a couple, we, we played some pretty cool places. Iowa, when they did the Iowa Wave. 
uh, my senior year at Florida State, my senior year. So that was cool. Nice job by Northern Illinois to schedule some great games. You did very well in the classroom as well. You earned a master's degree. You were one of 12 finalists for the Campbell Trophy, which is known as the Academic Heisman. How proud are you of your academic achievements in addition to your athletic ones? I always took it, you know, very personal uh, grades. You know, I'd, you never know how far this is going to go, extend uh, throughout your life. And, you know, it was instilled in me by my parents to, you know, get good grades constantly. So I'm very proud that I was honored with that. It was a really cool experience that whole weekend as well. We're doing fun facts with Max Sharping. So after your great college career, you were a second-round draft pick by the Houston Texans, number 55 overall. Describe your draft experience. Yeah, I kind of uh, didn't know where I was going to be drafted. Um, you know, my agents kind of gave me a range, and it was a pretty big range depending on how guys who were, you know, ahead of me, how they would get picked. And uh, there was kind of a run of uh, offensive linemen there early, and it helped me out. Uh, and I ended up, you know, in Houston. I was just at home in Green Bay in my basement on that Friday with uh, just a couple of my closest friends from, from NIU and uh, from around Green Bay. Uh, there were probably about seven, eight of us, and then I had a couple cousins uh, who flew in, and it was a fun night, to say the least, after, after I got the call. <laughs> so your first preseason game in the NFL was at Lambeau. That must have been unbelievable. Yeah, talk about a perfect story, I would say. That was incredible. I probably had 200 family and friends at that game. Um, you know, an incredible experience. We got to practice uh, against them when we were doing joint practices. And, you know, we started out O-line dinners at my parents' house on that Thursday before the, before the game. So that was pretty cool. So in your first two years with the Texans, one of your teammates was a fellow Wisconsin native, J.J. Watt, who recently retired. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. What will you tell your kids and grandkids someday about playing with J.J. Watt? I'll say that he was amazing at what he did. He changed the game, really, I think, uh, being as big as he was, as quick as he was. And, you know, just very uh, grateful that he was welcoming and always had time for guys and just really even when he was on top of the world in Houston he was always the first one in there when we were working out as rookies with us so that was uh it was pretty cool to see you know a leader first bout hall of famer type of guy putting that work in so after three solid seasons with the Texans they went to make a roster maneuver prior to this season that involved putting you on waivers before they could then try to bring you back but before they could do that the Bengals swooped in they claimed you and brought you to Cincinnati. It's about a week before the season. I'm sure you had established roots in Houston. How challenging was that for you? That was very challenging. I, Me and my wife uh, had a son nine months ago. So back when I was moving, he was only it was that, four or five months old. So that was very tough. I had to pack up and move in four hours. And all the credit goes to my wife, Cass. She is amazing. Uh, always has been very supportive her dad uh, is a football coach so she grew up around it uh, growing up and she knows the toughness of it and now thankfully uh, her and my son Brooks are here but very thankful for her and everything that she was able to do to help me make the move and transition as smooth as possible you've posted some pictures of Brooks on your Instagram feed first team all adorable I must say Uh, what is your favorite part about being a dad I think the favorite part is just 
getting to spend time around him uh, anytime I can get. You know, he's every every time he achieves something new, you're you're so proud and you're so uh, sad at the same point because you realize he's growing up. Um, but I love it. Uh, he, I mean, anytime he's he's, I think he's going to start walking here pretty soon, which is a little early, but. I mean, he's like going from the couch to the futon and without, without trying to hold on to anything. I'm like, we're watching him real careful. But, uh, anytime he does anything like that, you know, even if he's just babbling at you, anytime I walk in the door and he lights up when he sees me, it's just the greatest feeling. Have the camera ready on your phone. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Visiting with Max Sharping, your first start for the Bengals came the wildcard playoff game against the Ravens. Can you describe what it was like for you to charge out of that tunnel at Baycor Stadium as a starter for the first time in a game of that magnitude? I mean, chills. Uh, Anytime you get to run out into a crowd like that, I mean, it was phenomenal. And, you know, night game, playoff game, divisional opponent, it's a lot of stuff going on. and it was it was really cool, you know. Thankful for you know the coaches and all all my teammates that you know were supportive, uh, getting me ready for for that moment because you know like it can happen at any time. And uh, thankfully we we came out with a W. A few wild card topics now for Max Sharping. Who is your all time favorite athlete in any sport, and why? I would say Donald Driver. Being a Green Bay fan growing up, he was great for the community, just a great guy overall. Uh, he always was around the community. He's one of those guys you'd see around the community and just a great overall guy. And had a great career, no question about it. I mentioned your Instagram feed and some of the cute pictures of your son. You posted a picture from Halloween this year. Your wife is Jesse, the cowgirl. Your son is Woody, little cowboy costume. You are the world's largest Buzz Lightyear. How big was the costume and how do you get one that big? I don't know where my wife found it. I think it was a 3XL from somewhere, and it was still a little small. So it was a little tough getting in and out of. But she, she got it done. We got the picture, and, you know, Brooks was smiling, which is always good. Brooks is going to love that picture as he gets older. What do you like to spend your money on? Uh, the most I spend my money on is food, I would say. Uh, and then Cass and I like to travel a little bit, uh, you know, just short vacations. We like to go on like a river trip in the summer with her family. Uh, we always like going down to the beach, um, even if it's just a drive away in Houston. It's always fun. So we, we like doing family occasions, uh, and that's most of the time where we spend our money. All right. Final fun fact, and this one's kind of deep. If you could meet anybody in history, athlete, entertainer, statesman, religious figure whoever that person might be who would it be i never got to meet my paternal grandfather uh well technically i guess i did but i was a a month or two old when he passed away and uh, he had dementia unfortunately even before that so if i could go back and meet anyone i would um i would love to meet my my grandfather well this has been fun i appreciate your time best of luck this week thank you very much That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, presented by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. Buy Bengals picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Buy Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals. And buy AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with AltaFiber. 
If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.